At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and keep, everybody keep your fingers crossed. This may be the last episode, not ever, I shouldn't have that dramatic pause, but the last episode without the super producer, Jason. Um, as we're recording this episode, he is uh, supposed to be finally being discharged from the hospital after almost a month. Um and I know um, he wanted me to pass along to everybody um, that he's really appreciated all the uh, messages and uh, the emails and the uh, uh, comments all over social media, people asking about him, checking up on him, saying they're praying for him. Um, he really appreciates that. And I'm sure once he's uh, back for the for hopefully the next episode, um, I'm sure he will express his gratitude, but just in case he wanted me to let everybody know, thank you. And um, he he really, truly believes that the uh, power of uh, the prayer that uh, uh, people, you know, people were praying for him. And uh, he thinks that's that's probably what pulled him through because he was, uh, like I said, noticed, mentioned before, he was pretty rough. Uh, he was feeling pretty rough and uh, he still has some tough. Uh, rehabilitation, rehabilitation ahead of him. But, uh, you know, like I said, he can't wait to come back and, and hang out and do an episode. And, uh, he, he appreciates everybody's support and patience. So, um, with that being said, I just want to remind everybody, if you do have a story, if you do have something you want to get off your chest and talk about, get a hold of, uh, get a hold of us on our, from the shadows podcast, uh, Facebook page, our After the Shadows forum page on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at Shane Grove Author or our From the Shadows podcast page on Instagram. Or go to our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com, uh, and there's a contact uh, button. Uh, however, 
if uh, you do, <laughs> I'll have to wait for Jason to check the email. They all go to him, and I don't think he's checked the email in a couple of weeks. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we haven't missed anything on that. So, but uh, we appreciate everybody's patience, and um, it has been an experience. Uh, me and the Howler have been uh, putting up some of these episodes, and in fact, this week's midweek Howl got put up and only lasted five minutes because. We messed it up, and hopefully, if you're listening to this, go back and check out the midweek howl because the howler is going to fix it and make it the full episode. <laughs> so we apologize for that. But we're a bunch of amateurs. Without the super producer, we're a bunch of amateurs. So, but uh, that being said, I I'm excited to have this uh, guest on. He's uh, you know as, as most everybody know, we're based in Ohio, uh, so we got a fellow Buckeye on the show today a fellow bigfoot enthusiast although he is a bigfoot researcher i i can only include myself in the enthusiast part of the of the description so joining us um from the uh from the great state of ohio is mike hartman of the ohio bigfoot research investigation center mike welcome to the show hey thank you it's uh, great to be here tonight well, we're go- we're definitely glad to have you, and um, um, of course, uh, it's also doubly awesome that you know you're from. You're basically just down. You're not too far from where I'm sitting, so uh, um, a lot of our fans in Ohio will definitely know some of the places that you're going to uh, talk about. Um, and in fact, a lot of our a lot of our listeners in Ohio, they may have run into you at some point <laughs> it's very possible <laughs> so so mike before before we get into some of your experiences tell everybody um some of these other uh, things that you've got going on when it comes to bigfoot and and how you got started and how long you've been doing um your research and investigation in the subject well for me it started in the third grade in 1983 I uh, checked a book out of the school library called On the Track of Bigfoot, and I actually ended up stealing that book. I never returned it. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I, I'm i sorry, everybody. We have to preface this episode that we're talking to a felon. Um, a book, uh, yeah. A book yeah. <laughs> book yes, I am a book thieving mongrel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I I had this book and I was so mad at my mom because I had it clear until I got home from the Navy and I had it so worn out that the pages fell out of it. When you open the cover, I had a rubber band around it and I had a ton of notes where I had wrote in this book on every single page and my mom opened it when uh, I left and all the pages fell out and she threw it away. I was mad. I would I would not talk to her for two weeks. I was mad. <laughs> what, would possess, what would possess away. a mom? What would possess a mom to pick up a Bigfoot book and start looking through it? I had well, she knew that I was big in the Bigfoot, and um, it, I wasn't exactly the cleanest kid, you know, teenager <laughs> when it came to the bedroom, and she was just cleaning the room out after I had left, and. She ran across it, and, you know, it it was an old, tattered book, and she just 
wanted to, I guess, take a look at it, and she took the rubber band off, and every single page fell at her feet. Oh, man. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yep, she just and wept it, it up and threw it. As you're describing that, you know, and and I don't want to be sacrilegious or anything, but it almost sounds like you're describing what some people do, like with their bedside Bible, sit there yeah. and like read every page and make notes and, and stuff to go back and refer to. And, and so, yeah. and, and after hearing some of your story, I might believe that this is, that sort of might've been your Bible, so to speak, when it came to the subject. It. It really was. I had read that book so many times. It was uh, loosely based about Jerry Crew, and Jerry uh, yeah. Crew had the uh, logging site where they found the prints where the name Bigfoot was coined. Yes. Yep. But yep. it was all California and Pacific Northwest, and so even though it was at this time that the Minerva monster incident had already happened. When you're a kid, we had four, six, 10. And if we were lucky channel 28, so we never heard about anything, you know, unless it happened directly in our community. We, I grew up in a very small farm community and, uh, you know, so I, I never knew Bigfoot was in Ohio. So when I joined the Navy, you know, they put me in Mississippi. So that's where I went Bigfoot. And I knew they existed in the South. And then I went to California. So I started doing it there. And it, you know, and then later on, the Internet came around and it's like, hey, they're in Ohio. And so, yeah, it was back home. So, so was it? when you got back home that you really, I mean, did you go out in Mississippi and you went out in California and just kind of trying to figure out what you were doing and, or what? And then when you got back to Ohio, you really um, fine tuned going out and doing your research. Yeah. The, the same year that I started Bigfooting was the same year that my dad finally allowed me to go on my first hunting trip with him when I got that book in 1983. And so I fell in love with um, wildlife and hunting. And so late when I uh, later in life, my course of study was wildlife management, habitat management. Um, and I, at 12 years old, received my first compound bow. Um, my dad wasn't the, I guess, bow savvy. I was left-handed. He got me a right-handed bow and, uh, I had to learn to basically shoot way different than anybody else until I finally got my own left-handed bow. But I just fell in love with the romance of bow hunting and the closeness that you had to get to with the animals. And then what, so when I was stationed in Mississippi. I, of course, I grew up watching Legend of Boggy Creek, which was right, you know, in Falk, Arkansas, and the same water system, and talking to locals that, hey, you know, we, we got these hairy woolly boogers running in the swamps. And it's like, well, I'm going to the swamp. But I had not a clue as to what I was doing. And so, yeah, yeah, when I got to Ohio, was when everything fine, fine tuned. So, so let's, you know, when, when was your first, what you now 
might think back on when was your first experience that you had with what you believe was a Bigfoot? Oh, let's see here. I would say it was 1995. I was in the Ojai, O-J-H-I is spelled really weird, Ojai Mountain Range of California. And I was out playing with a coyote called just blasting into the middle of the night. Well, this mountain range was polluted with coyotes. You couldn't call this call and not have a coyote respond. And it was really, so I kept moving. I'd go to this spot, call, 10,000 coyotes would go off. I'd move to this spot, call, 10,000 coyotes would go off. And I found this back area and I did a call and I got the most terrifying scream I ever heard in my life. So I got in my truck and got out of there. <laughs> oh, jeez. I was like, so, nope, for that, full send, I'm out of here. So it scared well, the crap out of me. <laughs> so at the time, did you just, did you not know what it was or were you like, okay, that's Bigfoot? Yeah, I thought, well, that's must be what they sound like and that sounded close enough for me so uh, i'm 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 done i'm gone i'm out of here so i mean it, it was just this long loud growlish satanish demon sound coming from the hillside right across from me and I had never heard anything like that in my life i'd heard mountain lions i've heard bears I've heard bobcat, and I've never had anything where its voice goes through you like a stadium speaker or a real loud bass drum, how you can feel that vibration. And when it vibrated me, I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. That's enough Bigfoot for me. Yep. Close enough. I, I succeeded. So See, see and that's what I, I, I enjoy hearing from people who do have the experience out in in the woods hunting and you do know what a bear and a mountain lion and everything else sounds like or acts like so that you can kind of cross them off the list because i know there's 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 stuff out in the woods that if you heard it and you were not used to it you, you wouldn't have any idea what they were you know you you'd yeah. say oh my god that's a like the first time i heard a coyote like a pack of coyotes um attacking something in the field behind our house i, th I thought a, I, I sprung out of bed i thought it was a woman being murdered yeah, you know that's exactly you know, what it sounds like yeah yeah and and you're like wait 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 a second what's that and yeah and, then you, and so i can imagine if it was the first time and you're out there i mean i was in the house sound asleep so i, I can imagine if you're out there among it your mind just has to play crazy tricks with you if you've never heard something like that before. So to have the experience that you had kind of, you know, I like to hear those stories because I know your mind is not playing tricks on you. You know, you yeah. know it's something you've never yeah. experienced. I was finally having the coyotes call back because I predator hunt so i know how to deal with coyotes i i've studied the language i've studied you know when i say i hunt i've spent just as much time learning about wildlife and 
you know, that the coyote's closest relative is the Asian golden jackal and, uh, you know, their, their community, their structure. And so I, I wasn't afraid about the coyotes calling because I knew what they were and I knew that sound. But when I heard that first scream in the Ojai mountain range, that was nothing like I had ever heard before. It it just messed with me. I mean, bad. It messed with me badly. Yeah, because it sounds like it, you're not just hearing it, you're feeling it. Like if it's going yeah. through you, it is like you're really like soaking it in, you know. <laughs> and oh, gee. So, so. No, number one, I got a question is, did that stop? Was that the last time you went out by yourself? <laughs> and then, and then, and then was that the last time you had anything happen in California? Uh, it wasn't the last time I went out by myself. It probably should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been accused of being overly intelligent. I was but, just, I just made that note. I didn't want to say. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, I go coyote hunting in this exact same park, you know, by myself. So it, it's weird because people always say, don't go Bigfoot alone. But it's like, but I go deer hunting by myself. What's the difference? I'm in the woods. I'm literally sitting there until after dark what's the difference between a deer walking in front of me or a Bigfoot? So, but it's just a mental thing when it gets down to that. Bigfooting is mentally a lot different than hunting anything else. And when I say hunting, all I'm doing is I'm using the exact same techniques, but I'm trading my bow for a camera or an audio recorder or, you know, something like that. I'm not physically hunting Bigfoot. I'm trying to get a picture, trying to get an audio recording. Um, But that um, was the last time that I had heard anything like that in California because it was shortly after that my time with the Navy, my contract was up. I could either re-sign or come back to Ohio and I I just like, no, I, I guess military life, it, it was great, but I was ready to go home and do something else. So. So you, so you came back to Ohio then. And yeah. And then I left this place two or three times and I kept coming back. And finally, when I came back the last time, I thought I'm, I'm not leaving again. Every time I leave, I come back. So I'm staying put. So, so how soon was it then when you got back to Ohio that you said, I'm going to really, I'm going to start going out and looking for the, the Ohio grass man or Bigfoot or whatever you want to call it here in Ohio? Well, it started, okay, it, it kind of, it's weird because it started two different ways. Uh, when I came to Ohio, computers were – I didn't get my first computer until I think 2003. So, you know, you would go to the library and borrow one. So for me, it started at the library. It started reading the books, finding the articles about Ohio, finding the areas that 
I need to be checking out, trying to get that not exact location, but a rough rest of estimate of where I needed to keep going, which one of the things that kept popping up was Coshocton County or Salt Fork State Park, because it, there was an article that the best place to see Bigfoot east of the Mississippi River was Coshocton County, Ohio. So it's like, well, it was number one east of the Mississippi. It was number three east of the Rocky Mountains was Coshocton County, Ohio. And I live in Knox County. I live 10 minutes from the Coshocton County line. (laughs) So it's like, okay, that's, you know, but yeah, first it was just reading, learning, getting my facts together and trying to figure out. And no one had that clear answer. What? exactly is Bigfoot. And so I finally narrowed it down to, you know, that it's just a primate. It's a flesh and blood animal. It's, I don't attach it to all that crazy other stuff. You know, if you've ever heard the term, the woo. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. 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 Well, for me, it's a flesh and blood. It's no different than a deer, elk, bear, coyote. It's just a, wild animal with a high intelligence and i wanted to find it so in 1998 i started that's when i started the field work and so now before we get into that now did you go i and i'm not sure when they started um like the conferences and and uh you know the talks you know the people going around and doing uh, talks on them, like at the libraries and stuff. Like, I'm not sure when all that started taking place here in Ohio. And I don't know how long the conference has specifically been going on. I probably should know that. But, uh, like, did you go to any of that stuff? Did you try to meet up with other people in Ohio that were, were interested in doing the same thing that you were doing? Or did you just decide you were going to kind of uh, – go off on your own path i kept it to myself because it was the conferences and all that stuff for ohio had had either not started yet or were just about to start but it had that aura around it at that time where if you mentioned bigfoot everyone thought you was absolutely Bat crap crazy, and I didn't want people, I didn't want to be associated with that. But uh, I did talk to my family members, and then I found out that my uncle Wendy and his family had an occurrence happen in like 1986, 87 outside Galena, Ohio. And so now I had a location to start. Then I found out that other people in the area had had happenings, and his story, it to this day puts chills up my spine. It was just one of the most unnerving Bigfoot stories I've ever heard in my life, and here it was a relative I've known all my life, but he's never told me this story before. Now, 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 are you okay telling us the story? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us. So let's let's get into let's get into uh, some of the good stuff and start out with that story. I mean, I, I I'd love to hear I'd love to hear that. 
I, my cousin and I are about the same age, so he was probably about eight years old. And um, he had walked off. It was just turning just past sunset, and it was his turn out of my three cousins to go out to the chicken coop, feed the chickens, water the chickens, and collect the eggs. So he just walks out to the chicken coop like he had a thousand times before, opened the door, which there was no latch on it, and there was just bird feathers, dead birds, and bones. And he had a flashlight, and in the corner of this very small, like, four-by-four chicken coop or however big it was, six-by-eight, something like that, his light hit two hairy feet standing in the corner. And so just like in a horror movie, you start the flashlight at the feet, and he went all the way up this long, hairy body until he hit a face that was snarling. And so he runs out of the coop. I mean, and he's a fat kid. I mean, I'm sorry, cousin, but he is a fat <laughs> kid. And he's always been fat. And he, I guess, like came through the door like flash, you know. And he told my Uncle Wendy and my cousin Rodney, and they grabbed shotguns. And as they're just clearing the corner of the house, they see a large hairy animal just clearing the corner of the barn about 60 yards away. And his pickup truck was parked back by the house. So he ran past the truck. My other cousin didn't even have his driver's license, jumped in the truck, pulled it forward because they are from Grundy, Virginia. There's some redneck people. I hate to say it, but I'm related to, I mean, some hill jacks. And they had these big old spotlights on this truck, you know, like the A-Team van, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so they lit this field up, and they watched this animal walk across this field, and then it just ducked down and disappeared. But, yeah, every single chicken they had in that coop was killed, and he was literally standing within less than 10 feet from this thing. And I mean, when when I asked my cousin about it, to this day, you can watch the hair on his – you can watch him turn white. You can watch the hair on his arm stand up. You can see the hair on his neck stand up. And I'm not kidding you, even his beard goes up his nose. I mean, every hair on his body just stands up. And to this day, he's – he doesn't like to talk about it at all. It it just scared the liver out of him. So, wow. And so, it, what's great? <laughs> and I'm sitting here behind a desk in in a, in a room far, far away. What's great about this story is that there was three three people basically that saw this thing. Yes. And, and like you're, I mean, quite literally, your cousin probably has had that's probably one of the closest experiences anybody's ever had and yeah and indoors the boot i mean it, it was definitely the first indoors bigfoot sighting i've ever heard of but yeah well <laughs> and and i so it goes you know and i know a lot of people um and um the judge who's on our show quite often i mean he just thinks that you're just crazy for going out and and chasing these things because he just believes that they are 
going to be a, they're a vicious wild animal, you know, wild animal. If that's what we think, you know, if that's what we really think that they're just nothing but an animal, but it just almost goes to show you that if that thing wasn't, was just a wild animal, your cousin would have never been able to go back inside. And no. yeah, you, you know, cause if something's cornered in the middle of killing a bunch and yeah. eating a bunch of chickens and there's your fat little chubby cousin who probably looks like all the, you know, a much better meal than a bunch of chickens. Yeah, an Oreo with feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be nothing for that thing to reach out and grab. I mean, no. And, and it was it, we. My theory is that fight or flight because it snarled, but it pressed itself against the corner of the barn or the yeah. chicken. He said it pressed itself into the corner. So even him being a small kid, you know, that fight or flight and whatever in its mind, I probably the flashlight, maybe without the light, he might have got ran over, um, kicked in. And but yeah. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, it, the the thing may not have realized what he what a flashlight really was or was it on the end of a of a shotgun or the end of a of a rifle or something you know so wow our theory to the vicious bigfoot all to start with but yeah i i I think we trained them to be vicious but that's just a theory i have well you're right i mean you that that might theory might hold some water you know because uh there's different situations where a lot of people have been trained to be vicious because of their circumstances and their experiences with other, other humans, you know? So get Bigfoot reports in Ohio, the order report. There's one that happened 10 minutes from my house in 1897 in Danville, Ohio. Yeah. Young kid walking to school out of nowhere, a big hairy creature picked him up, ran with him for half a mile, put him down and then just kept running. And then there's another report of a kid being grabbed, ran with and put down close to the what today would be the Mohican State Park area. And it just kept going. Well, After this happened, the school was closed for three days, and the townspeople created a posse with rifles to hunt the animal down. And they did find it, but they said it, like, purposely stayed about half a mile in front of it, or it stayed half a mile in front of them on purpose. They believe it could have eluded them at any time. It was... They uh, kind of like the kill deer, how when you get close to the nest, the broken wing act, they think it was something like that, that it was wanting those guys to run that way. But that time period in Ohio, this was around the same time as uh, what was known as the Great Hinkley Hunt, where there was a sheep farm in northern Ohio that they had um, – I want to say it was like 30-some sheep killed in one night or something like that by coyotes and whatnot. So the residents surrounded the the county, and they walked inward, and they ended up killing like 13 wolves, 
four black bear, X amount of raccoon, X amount. They just started killing every predator on the landscape. So when those predator animals left Ohio, that's when we extirpated, I should say, those uh, predator animals from Ohio. That's when the report stopped of uh, children being picked up and ran with. So my theory then is, was that kid being stalked by a bear and he didn't see it and the Bigfoot picked him up Ah. safety, put him down and kept going because those reports don't happen today and we don't have predators today. You know, and now mom and dads, they don't let their little kids walk three miles to school because some crazy person will snatch them up off the side of the road. Bigfoot's not the fear. It's people today that are nuts. And so, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I see exactly. That's a, that's a great um, observation there. I mean, that's a great observation that that may very well may be what was happening for sure. You know? And I mean, gosh, what was it? The little boy in North Carolina just a couple years ago that went missing and said that a bear took care of him for two or three days. Yeah. Because that was the only thing he could, um, you know, relate to what, what it was. But we all know a bear's not taking care of a kid. No, uh, no, you know, the Mexican report is the guy contacted the group I was with. He was almost on his deathbed. He was a very prominent lawyer and he never told this story because he was a very prominent lawyer. But he was a small child picnicking with his family who got lost in the woods. The animal picked him up set him on a trail and it laid a log across his legs and pinned him to the ground. So this little kid sat there crying. His parents heard it, found their child oddly pinned to the middle of this trail with a log in his lap, picked the log off of him, but they had their kid back. So. (laughs) Well, so he couldn't go anywhere (laughs) because of the log. And the crying yeah. helped draw the attention. Uh, yeah, said, that's that's not a bear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whole time it stood there watching until someone showed up, and then he never took his eyes off of it. And as soon as someone started showing up, it turned and went off into the woods. So, yeah, but that I know, wicked story, cool, cool, cool story. One of my favorites. Oh, no kidding. That's. It, and so that lends, and that lends the credence to, um, you know, like the kid's story, and like you said, in North Carolina, that that, yeah. and like, and it kind of, I see now where you may have gotten some of your reasoning for what those creatures were doing. If it saved this kid, I mean, it basically saved this kid. Um, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't take long wandering around in the woods uh, no. for a little kid for something bad to happen, for sure. No, I mean. It- And back in this, you know, when this happened, we had, now we have about 300 black bear in Ohio. At that time, we had thousands. I mean, up until 1897, 1898, we had elk in Ohio. Um, The last elk was killed in Ohio in Cuyahoga County. 
Holy moly, we had elk in Ohio. I had no idea we had elk in Ohio. Yeah, we had a woods buffalo, um, an arboreal buffalo, because there's uh, a category of, when you hear a buffalo, you think of the out west animal, which is the trinomal nomenclature is uh, bison, bison, bison. Well, in Ohio, we had bison, bison, arboreal, which is a woods bison. And they followed, they still used the original mastodon and mammoth trails that ran through the state of Ohio. And yeah, so we had big, scary animals in Ohio during the time that these kids were being picked up or grabbed by these creatures, but we don't have those now. So, wow. Yeah. I had no idea. I'd never heard of those type of, of those type of animals being in Ohio, even, even that, Cuyahoga actually means elk's eye in the Native American language. And that comes from like Daniel Boone would hunt rivers at night for elk. And he would stick uh, an oil lantern out over the nose of his skiff because that would make the eye shine reflect. And that's how he would hunt elk was at nighttime floating down a river with a lantern. And so the Cuyahoga means elk eye because of the eye reflection from the elk. Wow. Now, I'm not saying Daniel Boone hunted Ohio, but that that was commonly used practice because all wild animals need water. Middle of the night, water is where you find critters. So that was just back then before, you know, when we had market hunting, before we had uh, wildlife laws, that was a common hunting practice was today you'd get arrested for poaching if you did that. So, well, that's exactly what I thought when you said your uncle and cousins, they had the spotlights on the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just had them because they thought they were cool. My uncle, he wouldn't hurt a, a flea. I mean, he was, and it was weird because he had every gun in the world in his house, but he did not hunt, did not fish. He was totally against it. You name it, they had it as pets, opossums, skunks, raccoons. You name it, they had it for pets. And if an animal got injured on the highway, they would bring it to my Aunt Audrey, and she would nurse it back to health and then go release it. So, oh, yeah, boy. he would an animal to he he just would not do that jeez well so you've already told told me told me in the audience at least three or four uh bigfoot stories that are just i didn't expect and i'm sure have made everybody's day but let's get let's get into more of than what you started experiencing as you really started um um, researching it in, in Ohio. Okay. In 2001, I uh, found a group online or 2002 that was called the MSBRR. It's uh, since been disbanded, but it was multi-state Bigfoot research Roundtable, And it was a group of like-minded individuals who would get together and literally sit around the table and just talk Bigfoot once a month in the conference room of a hotel. 
Well, I started going up there, and then that's where I started meeting people. Hey, let's go hit the woods sometime, and, you know, let's go for a hike sometime. And we had a husband and wife team that he was a archaeologist at OSU. She was an anthropologist. Um, you know, it, it was just a mix of a mixed bag of um, social statures and people who got together to talk. Well, on the main radar kept coming up Salt Fork State Park, and I had gotten close to a particular guy by the name of Bob, and we started going to Salt Fork State Park every single weekend for over 200 consecutive weekends. Um, and yes, listeners, he said 200 consecutive weekends, and I've already asked the question, your family still talks to you after missing every 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 holiday chris you know birthday uh special event and they do so rest assured he is uh he has not lost everything because he was bigfooting before straight no but i mean they i think it definitely got irritating to them at times most definitely but it was fun and uh, that's where I started having my own personal encounters was um, we would set up in the exact same spot every single time. We wanted whatever was in the woods to start getting used to us. And that actually started happening because when we would show up and light the grill, there was a pair of raccoons that would come out and sit by the grill because they knew we would drop them a hot dog. Yeah, we would do day hikes, we would do night hikes, but primarily we did overnight observations. And we would just basically sit there and listen to the woods. And if things started happening, then we became proactive. We didn't start it. We we reacted to an action. And I think that's where a lot of our success came from. And, uh, there was one particular night we were down there. It was, I want to say June, and my buddy called me. He's like, you know what? I can't go. We have storms up here. Apparently, there was tornado warnings for, like, us, Kentucky, Tennessee. Thirteen tornadoes would touch down that night, and people would lose their lives. And I ignored all this to go to the woods like an idiot. So I drive down there, my wife went with me, and I was like, I want a big, heavy vehicle. So we took the motor home, and we just parked in the parking lot. And uh, the storm, the hail, it started to get way too intense. And I was like, you know what? There's a valley right between two close hills. Hold on, we're going. And I lit out of there and slammed the brakes because a tree had blown across the only road in or out. I got ourselves trapped. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I back right back up to the parking lot, and we just have to ride this storm out. We've got no choice whatsoever. Well, the storm, the wind started to slow down. The rain started to slow down. Our mind started to get set at ease. And it was like the last raindrop hit the parking lot and everything went quiet. 
and the fog just started to roll across the lake and coming down the hillsides. It was about 10 minutes, and boom, the whole camper just shook. And I'm like, what in the holiest of holies was that? And I won't even go outside. I grab my flashlight and I look out every single window of this camper. And I mean, it took everything I could do. But I, I, I took a breath. I hoped for the best. And I flew out that back door and the wife locked me out of the camper. So, <laughs> didn't matter what happened at that point. I was on my own. I, I did you think there. did you think like a tree? Hit the camp or something? Or? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought maybe, and I thought you know maybe even a stupid uh, a great horned owl flew into the side of it, or a, a limb, or you know a hornet's nest or something. And but at the same time, I knew I I parked in a, a spot where I wasn't near any trees. I got as, as far away from everything as I could up against the shore of the lake. So I laid down flat and I shined the flashlight under the camper to make sure there was nothing on the other side. I walked around the back of the camper. There's nothing there. No limbs, no leaves, no nothing. I walk up the driver's side. There is nothing there. I walked around the front and I was coming back to the rear door. I told I spoke in the window. It's clear. I don't know what that was. There's nothing here. And my wife stepped out of the camper. Are you sure? You know, poked her head out. And I'm like, yes, I'm sure. There's nothing here. Nothing hit the camper. I don't know what that was. Did we blow a tire? I don't. Good question. Let me look. And I walked around the doolies on the back, looked up the front. And I'm like, no, we didn't blow a tire. And we're just standing there by the window. And my wife's like, she's just looking up. And she goes, uh shine your flashlight up and I shine up and there at the very very top of the camper is this long muddy streak down the side that ended in a perfect handprint I mean a perfect perfect handprint and I'm like holy crap so yeah that that was wow I mean Whatever it was, literally did a hit and run. It came in, slapped the camper, booked it out of there. So, so how? So it looked like it hit the top of the camper, slid its hand down, and then yeah. pulled its hand away. Yeah. It, well, if you um, okay, imagine you're sitting down and you have your hand on your lap, and you raise your hand straight up like you're. Um, Right at your side, like you're swearing into court or something, right? Yeah. And you point out your elbow and you move your hand in a like you're swinging open a door and you slap the camper. But then the slippery surface and the weight of your body caused you to slide forward is exactly what it looked like. It was like it all of its pressure on its hand, but the camper had moss up there it was green mold and dirt from back roads and so it's like it hit that that slick area and just slid forward about two feet now how how high up was that then 
Like it, we measured it at eight foot three inches. Okay. All right. Yeah. I always keep a tape measure, all that good stuff in my uh Bigfoot kit. And it was exactly eight foot three inches. And the weird part is it was literally right where above my wife's head. But between us and the 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 big window, what I call the bay window of the camper, we had a lantern sitting and that light was hitting the glass and reflecting back. So we couldn't see out the window. All we seen was our own reflections like a mirror when we looked at the window. And yeah, it was right above my wife's head where she was sitting. Holy boy. So, all right. Now, now to be fair, like eight foot three, isn't something that a really tall guy could, yeah, couldn't reach yeah. up. Yeah. Couldn't reach up and, you One know, it was for me more of the circumstances that there was a tree across the road. Um, people died that night in tornadoes. The roads were bare. We could hear the sirens still going off in the area. I mean, you know, it, the, even though the storm had passed us, it was only a few miles away. It was, so, you know, there was just nobody. Most people were in their basements at this time. You wanted to think that you and your wife were the only crazy people enough to be out there at that time. At that time. motor home. And, and just to get to this place is the, the entrance to the tree is about 400 yards. And then we were parked about 200 yards past that at a place called Hossack's Cave where the road dead ends into the lake. Okay. And That's... we, I, you could see the roadway. There was no headlights around. There was no one at the other parking areas. Cause when the tree came down, it's like, well, do we try to flashlight someone? I didn't have my radio. Uh, we didn't even have cell phones at that time. We just, you know, it, it, it was, I was just stupid and, Probably should not have went out that night, but I went out that night. So, but you'd have missed the things back in the side of the side yeah, of the camper. Exactly. Yeah, no regrets. Not a regret <laughs> one that I did it whatsoever. Holy moly! So that so that happens that night, and now you're like, okay, well, I know yeah. we're in the right place. Yes, yes. It, it's it was like. This is starting to be promising because this was uh, early in our research because I, well, I, at first I drove an old van and then it blew up. We drove the wheels off of it and I bought it used literally at a junkyard just to use as a Bigfoot vehicle. <laughs> and it lasted about a month and I was like, for, the guy had this motor home sitting up the road for 1500 and he offered it to me for 12 and i'm like yep full send i'll take it so i came home with this motor home to the not wife yet but girlfriend and i'm like hey looky what i got and it's like no you did not it's like yeah i got a bigfoot mobile <laughs> hey i don't know i don't know who this lady is but the fact that you bought a crappy van out of a junkyard bought an even crappier sounded motorhome and then bigfooted for four straight years. 
and she's still with you, I she deserve. I mean, she deserves sainthood or something. You know, a lot of times <laughs> she was the one instigating us going to the woods. So she's just as nuts as I am. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. If you actually just flip me off through the window. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's just as nuts as I am. But yeah, yeah, she's yeah, but she instigated it, a lot of it. She really enjoyed but she had she grew up on the Ohio River and she had experiences as a child with Bigfoot. So or at least one experience that that planted that seed in her mind, what is it? I I gotta know. So a lot of times, you know, she was right there with me. She was just trying to um you know, kind of justify her memory or her experience that she had then is what she yeah. was trying to do. Okay. Yeah. So, so what other kind of experiences did you guys have out there then during, during all this, all these years that you were um, embedding yourself out there at Salt Fork? A lot of vocalizations, a lot of whoops, um, a lot of tree knocks, um, one night we were at Bob was there, his son Bob was there, their dog Grant, me and the wife, and uh, it was a dead night. Not a single thing happening, not an owl, not a sound, nothing. And out of nowhere, it sounded like a, um, a, a young gosling had untimely met its end. And right after that happened, we kept hearing like clicks and growls and uh, hoops and but it all kept happening right up top of this hill and it's like well then we're all going up the hill so we all walk up the path and we stopped about three quarters of the way up to catch our breath and we're just standing there listening before we crested the rise and not too far away and this is a windless breezeless hot summer night and a tree gets pushed over towards us, a dead rotted tree, not a big one, didn't come close to us. And then at the top in the creek, you heard splashing, doosh, 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 doosh. And it's like, what? But I was holding Bob's dog. His leash was wrapped around my wrist. And this is a 90-pound overweight black lab. And this thing took off down this hill but it had about a 10-foot lead and i'm the only person with a flashlight and this dog takes off down the hill almost takes me off my feet and it's dragging me down this very very steep hill we hit the parking lot it's booking it to bob's jeep it broke loose from the lead and it jumped through the open window of his Jeep, got in the back seat and laid down. 
Now I looked and I, so I grabbed Bob's keys. I, I rolled up his windows. I locked his doors and I noticed there was blood on the passenger side, which I'll explain on a second. And I took off running to get back to the team because I was the only person with a flashlight. And I got up there and I caught up with them and nothing else was happened, had happened. So we talked about it. And I was like, well, we got to do something. There's blood on your Jeep. And so we got back down there. And Grant had pulled away from me so hard that he ripped one of his toenails out. Oh, man. He wanted away from the woods and in the Jeep that badly that he literally ripped out one of his nails. And then we um, wrapped up his paw, got the bleeding stopped, got him taken care of. And, you know, at that time, big footing stopped. Grant was the number one focused, even though it wasn't a, a fatal wound. But we take care of our own. You know, we take care of our team and he was part of the team. So he got babied. He got some snacks. And then we went back to big footing. And uh, it was a little bit later, my wife and it was one of the stupidest just dumbest moments ever that has ever happened in the woods. But right in front of her in the woods, and we all heard it. Imagine Herman Munster laughing. That's what we heard to the point that we doubled over and we started laughing because in the middle of the night, middle of the woods, you get this. <laughs> And it's like, what in the, what, what, you know, this thing have a sense of humor? Was that tree, a, his idea of a practical joke? Was Grant getting hurt funny to him somehow? I mean, but yeah, we heard this stupid, I mean, it sounded literally like Herman Munster standing in the woods laughing in the middle of the night. Oh, oh. holy, okay. That, yeah, that's that is even ever. that's even creepier than some of the other stuff that it's that something it, is mimicking a human like a human sounding laugh. It really kind of was because we had heard what sounded like a, a, a chimp type chatter laughter in the woods before, so we was used to that. But this was a deep, dark, just stupid. <laughs> I'm like, what? You are kidding me. It's like, who is in the woods watching the Munsters at three in the morning? I'm, you know, it was like, are you kidding me? But it was so stupid. But at the same time, we couldn't help but laugh ourselves. I mean, it, we was doubled over because we're like, did that sound like Herman Munster? Yes, that's where I know that sound. And so, yeah, that's where we. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. And in the end, whatever it was may have been laughing, not at the fact that the dog got hurt, but maybe that it scared the dog so bad that it, the dog yeah. ran away. That might have been what was amusing to it is, ah, I scared off the dog. You know? Yeah, it, it was so weird. It was because I thought at first it was my wife because. Oh, God. Now you're saying your wife sounds like Herman Munster. Oh, <laughs> you're definitely going to get to it. Okay. <laughs> no, and it's a real, real, real touchy subject. But when you Bigfoot research with a female, 
And if she's on her monthly cycle, mm-hmm. it is your best interest to stay as close to her as you can for your own safety. When my wife, whatever it is, any female was on, that we took with us was on her cycle, things got close, and they never got aggressive towards the female. But if you started to walk away, you would get limbs thrown at you. You would get rocks thrown, almost like you was being challenged. You would get growls thrown at you. You would get these grunts thrown at you. And if you moved back towards the female, it stopped. Wow. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, and so when that laughter started, you know, I was like, baby, I hate to ask you this, but are you, you know, on your, and she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, just make it your you know, and just, just want to know in case I need to literally stay right by your side for my own safety. But yeah, it was, it was really, really crazy. Now, now did any, did you or, or your wife or any of your group have any visual sightings? Uh, we took our kid, we, we included the whole family and we would show up with our kids from time to time. And, uh, we had just pulled in. We literally just parked. And our, my kids walked down the road, and it's like, yeah, you guys just stay where I can see you, you know, just in case. And they all came running back up the road, and instantly, and like, there's a monkey in the woods staring at us. And I'm like, come on, guys. I mean, you know, they're little kids. We just got there. I'm not giving them the benefit. But, uh, at the same time, it's like, well, go show me where, you know, let, show me where this deer is standing or this chipmunk is scaring you. And I walked down there and all I see is this big brown flash. I could not tell you what it was to this day. It was just a large flash ran through the woods. And I'm like, well, kids, let's go stand up by the motorhome and start dinner. I didn't want to alert them, but it's like, let's go have dinner. And so then that night, you know, we didn't stay there all night with the kids, but we stayed till about 12 o'clock and a few things happened, but nothing out, nothing to write home about that night. But, uh, my sighting, my 99.9% sure I've had two, two possible sightings other than that flash that happened during my research, they both happened at Salt Fork, but the one to this day is just unnerving to me, but I want to see it again. Uh, it was just my wife and I at a Salt Fork State Park. We were visiting one of the side areas, and she was standing towards the end of the parking lot facing the other direction because she had seen eyes shine there before and, and eyes blinking and we all seen it but she wanted to she just always stared at that area just in hopes that it would happen again now with me out in front of me between or just past the fire is my little boston terrier brie she's my little brave dog she she loves to be in the woods she was my hiking buddy 
And she just came running at me, jumped on my lap, pressed against me, and just growling. But I can't see what she's looking at. So literally, as if I was aiming a rifle, I put my head down so that I'm staring between her ears down her snout. Because I know wherever she's looking is, you know, wherever that snout is pointing is what she's seeing. And I was looking up towards the ground. I caught something out of the corner of my left eye. I looked down to my left and about 70 yards out by the quarter of a moon, there's a, a pole light back behind us, behind the restroom area. And here is this large, dark figure on all fours crab crawling sideways foot over foot fist over fist it's moving from my left to my right it stops right in front of us and there's a tree and then from the left side i see the head peek out just you know like a quarter to one eyeball and then the same on the right side and the same on the left and then it crab crawled very low to the ground until it got to the edge of the woods. It never took its eyes off me, but it turned broadside and backed into the brush. And I can't even speak. I'm trying to tell my wife that this is happening, but all I can get is, ah, ah, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't have my voice. I am completely speechless. I can't talk. I couldn't ask for a drink of water, help. I couldn't say anything. I cannot. All I can do is make stupid noises. I can't speak. And I'm watching this literally right behind her back. And for, and here's this huge thing moving across the ground in front of me. And I'm like, yeah. And finally, when it got into the brush, I was able to stand up and I walked towards her and I grabbed her shoulder and spun her around and pointed. And she's like, what? And I finally was able to tell her, here's what I just saw. Here's what Bree just saw. And she looked down that way and she's like, do you want to walk down there? And I'm like, let let me put the dog in the car. So we put the dog in the truck, and I was like, I'm going to face the woods this way. You face that way. We was walking down, and next thing I know, she's walking back to the car. She's nope. And I was like, okay, did you see something? And she's like, something moved. And I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. You want to back off? We'll back off. Whatever my team feels is safe for them, even if I don't want to, I have to back their play. She wanted to back off. I'm backing off with her. I'm not going to leave her alone and make her feel scared. But she didn't want to sit in the – she still wanted to stay outside. She just wanted to be closer to the pole light. And I was like, that's fine. That's fine. We'll do that. We'll stay by the light. But, yeah, that was my closest con to where – I can't believe what I was seeing to this day. I don't know what else could have moved like that. But did I really see what I think I saw crawling across the ground? I thought they, you know, walked on two feet, stayed upright, six to eight foot tall. And here's this six to eight foot tall something 
crawling on its hands and knees and fists across the ground in front of me, staying low, out of my sight, playing hide and seek. Well, and I'm I'm sure that since then, you've probably heard many, many stories of that same behavior. Yeah, this was years before I had ever heard about, this was like 15 years before I'd ever heard about the crawling but this was a different crawl. It was, it mm-hmm. was like putting your feet on the ground and your hands on the ground and crossing your leg, crossing your feet to move one step sideways. I, I think I've heard people on other shows describe it as looking like a disjointed spider, something yeah. like trying to yeah. crawl. Yeah. yeah, this wasn't. This was like a little kid just crawling on his hands and feet sideways. It was, you know, the hunched up rear end, the head down low, but full, fully extended arms, maybe slightly bent, fully extended legs, just staying low. Like almost it was inviting me to hop on its back and play horsey or something. I, you, know? you know, I can't even get down and do a push up anymore. I can't imagine an eight foot, 600 pound thing getting itself down in a position where it can like crab crawl that's just that's just crazy to me and but and because at first i thought was she seeing a bear you know and it's not unusual that area of ohio but when that thing turned broadside to back into the woods it's like that ain't no bear that is not a black bear that is and we went down there in the daylight. We found footprints. We had handprint. You know, we had, you could see where the grass was stepped on, and there was no bear prints around, but there was a toad, the front portion of a toad footprint. So. Wow. Now, how much now? I mean, you told me some stuff off air that for a while you quit going out in the woods for you know because you had some circumstances happen that you guys couldn't do it but now you're getting back into it yeah i yep so so what um and i thought it was interesting you said that once the shows on tv started happening it, it was like uh you know toyota or honda day at cedar point everybody was showing up at salt fork salt fork filling up the you know and so how did that how did that change and then um what what is what are you doing nowadays that is different from what you did then well i never quit bow hunting and that's what i put all my time and energy to and when i say bow hunting i I, I, I don't even use guns anymore. I squirrel hunt with air rifles because I got into that. But everything else, wild deer, I bow hunt. And um, that's where all my energy went to. All my focus was continuing my education on wildlife and start talking to wildlife biologists and learning more. And then last year, I work for Velvet Ice Cream, and I had we had just hired a guy. We was on a ride along, 
And I looked down and his phone was sitting on the seat and it was one of those phone case covers that had the big foot and says, I believe. And I'm like, ah, interesting phone case. And he's like, yeah, that's my conversation starter. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. It's like, well, um, uh, you know, what's your interest in Bigfoot? Da, 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 da. And we just started chit-chatting. Well, then when I mentioned Ohio Bigfoot Research and Investigation Center, he's like, dude, I know you. <laughs> and Okay. Well, then I ran into a customer one day who had on the same T-shirt, I believe. And I'm like, hey, cool T-shirt. He's like, yeah. I'm like, do you do much Bigfoot down here and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, but my favorite group I haven't heard of for a while. And I was like, yeah, who's that? And he goes, well, they were called the OBRC. And I'm like, oh, hell. Like, well, hi, I'm Mike Hartman. I founded the <laughs> Ohio Research Investigation. So, and he wanted my autograph for some whatever reason. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm nobody important, but, you know, okay. And, you know, you should come back. And it's like, no, I, I, I ain't doing it. I'm not coming back. And. The questions that I've had 20 years ago or as a little kid reading that on the track of Bigfoot book are still in my mind and they've they've never left me. And, uh, you know, I, I settled down. I bought a house, got married. My kids are older now. Two are graduated. One's moved out. One's about to move out. We're about to be empty nesters. And I'll never quit hunting, but I won't hunt as hard because I'm just, I'm tired of killing stuff. I feel like I've, I mean, I'll still put a deer in my freezer every fall. I'll still go out and get maybe a couple squirrel, but I won't hunt my limit of squirrel. I'll, instead of four or six, two's good enough for today. But, I, you know, I love being outdoors. I love being in the woods. And it's like, all right, I'm I'm going to do it. And any time I do anything, I go full send. So I bought a website and I made a Twitter account. I made an Instagram account. I reactivated the old Ohio Bigfoot Facebook account. And I started the Ohio Bigfoot podcast. And I, and I, I already wrote a field journal and had it published. It's a blank journal. And this all started since last September. But I, I've been out a few times just but not Bigfoot and Bigfooting, but just looking around the woods. But probably what really brought me back the hardest was a coyote hunt, of all things. Again, back to the daggum coyotes. And <laughs> so, so what do you hope now that you've restarted i mean that that reminds me of the blues brothers you know jake and elwood hey guys we're getting the band back together you know yeah. did you have to go, go but i mean what so what are you hoping to do in this uh reincarnation of the ohio bigfoot research center i mean what are you hoping to do this time around well, I started a uh, side project called the Ohio Bigfoot Project, and I reached out to most of my old team members, and they, they're still an in interest. 
and I have some guys wanting to jump on board with me now because thankfully that name still carries weight of the OBRC and the Ohio Bigfoot project is about being a boots on the ground. If there's another Bigfoot group in Ohio and we deem that they're not the woo, you know, that they're legit, but they need help that we'll back them up with our experience and technology has gotten a lot better. I have camera drones now, which drives the wife insane that I fly drones around the house. And, you know, I, I broke out the old equipment and knocked the dust off of it. And so now it's about, because back then, when you had a Bigfoot group, you hated the other Bigfoot group. You didn't talk to them. You didn't share information. You didn't do nothing. They were like Germany and <clears throat> France. I mean, you hated each other. And it's like, no, I, I need to break that that habit. And so now it's about helping out other groups, working with other groups. So I jumped on board with uh, three other groups. And um, I can't. I promised her I would wait till I till she releases it, but I'm doing a speaking event with another group this fall, and you know I um so yeah it's I'll still do my personal research with the OBRC because I want to get that sighting again. I want to get that daytime. That is 100% beyond the shadow of a doubt. It can't be anything else but a Bigfoot, Bigfoot sighting is my personal goal. But at the same time, I'm about helping these other groups with my experiences and what I do know, which is anything in the Bigfoot world is 100% theory. There's absolutely zero facts because nobody knows, and science will never admit there's one until they have a body, and, you know. But, so, everything's speculation, but my theories, for whatever reason, have always seemed to work. But I come at Bigfoot from a bow hunter's approach to hunting, and the same, uh, the animal, only instead of a bow, I have a camera. Instead of a, a, a an arrow, I have an audio recorder. So it's it's about working with these other groups and whatnot. Well, I and, and I did want to I wanted to touch base on, or I wanted to just kind of follow up with something you said, where how your approach to what Bigfoot was has that changed any? Do you are you still steadfast that you? just 100% believe there's nothing to this except that it's an animal and that and that the reports and stuff that other people claim that uh, like you can't wrap your arms around those or or what have you has it changed a little bit over the years or no and I don't mean any offense to those people whatsoever I'm not saying they're crazy you know, I, no offense to them whatsoever. If they believe it, that that's the way it is, 100% legit, I am open-minded. But as a bow hunter, I've never had a deer shapeshift in front of me. A deer always acts like a deer. Mm -hmm. A coyote always acts like a coyote. 
a bear always acts like a bear. And from my Bigfoot experiences, a Bigfoot always acts like a Bigfoot. We just don't know everything about how they act. So I'm open-minded to the possibility, but to me, they are a flesh and blood bipedal great ape that somehow fell off of the branch and no one's figured out where the branch broke yet. So, you know, somewhere across the line, they, they, they crossed the, the great land bridge that existed because, you know, they have cousins in Australia, um, you name it, any country pretty much except the state of Hawaii, there's a Bigfoot report and, or an animal as if, and the sightings go, the earliest I know of is I, I want to say 535 BC. So it was a samurai painting, but a Bigfoot's always acted like a Bigfoot. It's just an animal to me. And I will, I, I kind of hold to that that steadfastness, but until I can be proven otherwise, I, I will keep an open mind. I'm not closed off, but you got to show me something. You know, I have to see an animal not act like an animal. Yeah, I got you. And I, and I do, um, I, I just think that everybody knows what they know. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, you you don't know what you don't know, and you and you can only go by what you've experienced yourself. If you're going to um, talk, you know, if you talked about it, you know, I mean, that's um, and you can't blame anybody for that. I mean, no, because no, be, be, because let's just be let's just be totally honest. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that there's something like that out running around in the woods in Ohio. You know, yeah. It's, it's cra- it's crazy to think that you saw something get down on all fours that big and crab crawl, you know, that yeah. in a, and then in the same instance, it's brave enough to come up and smack the side of your camper. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just defies rational, rational belief. And and so anybody that has not experienced that, they're going to say, oh, that's just that's just uh you know, it's just crazy talk, but if you've ever been out in the woods and experienced something a little off or see, I mean, that's just it. You know, everybody has their own experiences and, yeah. and everybody's trying to figure them out when it comes to this subject, um, for sure. Um, well, for me and the big, I mean, back in the day, I got to meet Dr. Grover S. Krantz, the king of Bigfoot, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. To have a one-on-one conversation in person with Jane Goodall about ape behavior. And the apes aren't that because, you know, she said even a mountain gorilla, you have to have an absolutely skilled trainer because they'll go back up the hill. They'll back into the brush. They don't want to be seen. They want to stay reclusive. But once in a great while, you get that one that, for whatever reason, just gets that that curiosity killed the cat streak or that almost playful streak. But at the same time, you also get that I'm going to fall 
charged you to tell you that this is my turf and you need to go away. So, I mean, what I've experienced with Bigfoot backs what those experts have always, or, you know, the conversations I had with them, what we talked about, it fits. The the puzzle piece fits there. I've simply not experienced, um, you know, the shielding or the disappearing or the walking into a third dimension, or I've simply, I've just not experienced that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I, I totally understand that, you know, I totally understand that. And, uh, I'm not sure, like I stated before, I, I'm a Bigfoot enthusiast. I'm not sure I want right. to experience any of it firsthand. <laughs> Whether right. it's, I don't want to experience one smacking any the side of my vehicle or stepping out of a uh, portal. It does not matter. I'm not sure I want to really be there for any of that. Well, <laughs> if I find if I can find those hot spots again, like I used to have, I will let you know. And you and your guys are absolutely invited. Not guaranteeing anything's going to happen because. I can't, but I, the right place at the right time, it's possible something could happen that might raise your curiosity. Did you not hear me? I Can you guarantee me that nothing will happen? Then I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that too. I mean, there's so many times I've thought this is stupid. You know, everything in my hunting brain was saying this is the worst time to be in the woods mm-hmm. and something's happened. And then I, there's times, you know, things are perfect and nothing's happened. And in fa- fans of in f- listeners of our show will, will know that we went out one time with Amy Boo and, okay. uh, and, um, to a campground up outside of Oberlin and where there was a lot of sightings and the guys that, uh, camp there actually host another, they actually host a podcast and they wanted us to come up and, you know, and it was a big group of us that went out in the wood and it's like, there's nothing going to happen. And, and I'm just going to tell you that three separate little things happened that when you put them together, you know, and Amy Boo experienced them with me that I can't say what happened, but something happened. Yeah. And it was enough to make me think, okay, um, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but it is um, strange enough that I'm scratching my head because I'm a pretty logical person. And um, I wasn't the only one that, you know, saw what we saw and experienced the other things. It, it just was, it was just a little bit too much to, right. to just say, ah, that's nothing. And well, uh, 99% of what Bigfooting is, it's not the big show. It's not yeah. the sign. It's those little things and the, the, the puzzle pieces linking, clicking together that, that's a hundred percent of what Bigfoot is. It's not the finale. It's the chase for those small moments that that's what keeps me excited. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Well, and I, and I can go right back to the very instant, you know, it's been a couple years now of standing in that woods and seeing 
you know, two red lights that you're like, wait a second, is those, are those two, are those eyes? Right. And then, and then, and so I can go back to that as an adult and seeing that. And then I picture your cousin walking into the chicken coop and coming face to face. And I'm like that I could totally understand, like totally understand how that would just stay with you. And you can go right back to that moment and it just yeah. um, stays with you. So, I mean, but so, so Mike, tell everybody that's listening how they can go find, you know, go find everything that you're doing and follow your stuff and encourage you to, uh, you know, to go out and, and find some more stuff to share. You know, cause I think if they, I think if they get on there and they start going, Mike, 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 that maybe you'll get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> well, the worst one is the website, ohiobigfootproject.com. That's basically for, um, I put some of my information up there, but I have so many, you know, the technology is crazy now. But everything I do draws attention to the website because the website has the form for the sighting reports. And I love getting sighting reports and going and doing investigations on those. So one way is the website, OhioBigfootProject.com, um, Ohio underscore Bigfoot on TikTok is probably one of my upper ones. Um, Ohio underscore or Ohio Bigfoot on Instagram uh, is probably the number one platform I use because anything you put on Instagram, you can automatically shoot to your Facebook. And then my Facebook is, oh, and it's all one word, Ohio Bigfoot Research Investigations Center. And that uh, it's a group and, you know, you got to. Uh, click the join or whatnot and it's not admin governed you just click and you follow it so um but most of my information is on my facebook but a great deal of my posts are you know my youtube channel or um and everything's under either ohio bigfoot or ohio underscore bigfoot and there will always be my name right there, Mike Hartman. So that way you know it's me. And usually it's a guy wearing hunting clothes, you know, <laughs> your mossy oak or. Or, or a guy, or your ice cream driver signing autographs. Uh, yeah. Mean, either way. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll even give you a free uh, snow cone with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I encourage all of our listeners, hey, go check out um, the website and uh, the Facebook pages and stuff. And if you have a sighting that you want somebody to go check out, go report it to Mike and then get a hold of me and we'll have you on the air and talk about it. Because I love I love the eyewitness sightings, too. I mean, um, it's awesome to talk uh to talk to experts and then but it's also awesome to talk to people who have had sightings and then, then it's great to talk to somebody who's both you know kind of an expert because everybody says there's no experts well listen if you're going out for four straight years and you're studying the same place 
at the very least, you're an expert on what's going on in Salt Fork State Park. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, um, so, well, Mike, I, Hey, I appreciate you taking the time after a long day coming on and, and sharing with everybody, um, your journey and your experiences and some other great story. I mean, some of those historical stories, um, are great as far as filling in the, the bigger picture of what this creature may be, especially here in Ohio. So I, I appreciate it. And I know our fans, um, we'll have uh, loved listening to you. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to be on here. Glad to do it anytime. All right. Well, we'll hey, we'll hold that to you. So, <laughs> so, so All good right. luck. Thank good luck. Right. Good <laughs> luck getting back out there. And, um, I mean, I'll, I'll be checking out your stuff to see what kind of good stories you got to share for sure. Heck yeah. <laughs> so all right mike we'll have a have a good one and thanks for uh thanks for joining us absolutely you have a great night and thank you everybody at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.